0: Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. today's episode of The Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about running a debt-free company with the help of special guest Wally Staples of Wally J. Staples Builders in Brunswick, Maine. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is The Tim Fowler Show.
1: Hi, everyone. Tim Fowler here, and welcome to The Tim Fowler Show. So just a quick word, uh, Steve is home. I am home. Turns out that Wally's on a job site, so uh, just be aware that if you hear a dog barking or a kid walking through a door or something like that, that uh, we're social distancing and so it's hard to keep control of everything. So normally we focus on production issues, things like getting good help, working with trade contractors, change orders, those kinds of things. But today we're gonna tackle a little bigger topic it's a little bit outside of what we typically talk about, but it's about business in general. so we had our guest on a little while ago when we were talking about recruiting employees and the main focus was he lives in a fairly small town in the state of Maine where the carpentry force is very very independent and uh, and a lot of the craftsmen really like that independence and yet He managed to develop and build a company where people are attracted to what he has to offer even out of that independence. If you wanna listen to that uh, podcast, it is episode number 72. I think it's well worth listening to. Right after we got done recording that podcast, uh, Wally sent me an email and said, hey, how about if we do a podcast on being a debt-free company? and uh, how that impacts his ability to manage it and attract people to the company and so forth like that. Now that was shortly before the coronavirus hit. And then in a couple of emails after, emails after that, it was like, well, this really e- amplifies or exemplifies why the debt-free company is such a big deal. So there's a lot to talk about. So let's get started, Steve.
0: Okay, well, Wally, Wally Staples started Wally J. Staples Builders, Inc. in 1993, when he was in his early 20s. A carpenter by trade, he worked in the field building new homes and completing renovations until 2001. By stepping out of the field, this allowed him to work on growing and making the company better. The company has had many longtime employees, with some being with the company nearly 20 years and many 10-plus years. They have never laid anyone off in 25 plus years for lack of work, no matter what the economy was doing, or during the sometimes tough Maine winters. One of the reasons we have been able, or Wally's been able to do that, is because they run a debt-free company. Welcome to the show,
1: Wally. Well, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Tim. I appreciate you having me back. Hey, no problem. Great topic too. So. Just really quickly, give give the listeners a little rundown on the company. You know, where are you? What volume are you doing? How many jobs are you doing? Little, just a little bit of statistics so we can, can can identify with who you are. Sure. Well, we're in Brunswick, Maine. Uh, we're primarily a design-build
2: builder, so we we help do the design work as well as the building work, uh, and we do everything from kitchen-bath renovations through to new custom homes. Uh, we uh, we have worked uh, for some of the most wonderful people right along the mid coast of maine over the last 25 plus years and i feel i've had some of the finest craftsmen help me do that and as, as steve mentioned i have some that are going on 20 years with us and it's just been wonderful it started in 1993 i uh, really enjoy uh the business it's been good to me there's challenges of course and we're, we're living through a a very interesting time right now of course all sure. of us are we complete most of our projects, or as many as we can, with our own in-house crews. Uh, but we do some use some high-standard subcontractors, uh, and that's worked out quite well. Uh, 2019 revenue-wise, uh, we did a little over 5.5 million. That was where we was kind of projecting, and we was able to hit it. Uh, and I was looking at some numbers. Um, you know, even with the, the COVID-19 situation, uh, we're on track to, to hit our numbers again for 2020 if things continue on. And uh, some hope, I think, for all of us is in May, and May is only a week and a day old, so or so, you know, work week wise. And uh, we put over nine hundred thousand dollars under contract in May already. So there's wow. people that are still committing to the projects. We have a design-build process, and a lot of those projects were in that process. So uh, we had things to work on. But the good news is, people are they're signing the construction agreement. So I think, I think we all have some hope. Uh, that <laughs> things are going to continue on here.
1: Yeah, I think, I think what we're hearing through um, RA is that uh, a lot of people, the leads that, the leads that are coming in are, are more highly qualified. People are interested in building and remodeling. It's just a matter of getting them to, to call in. So, sure. so, Wally, when you say a debt-free company, do you, I mean, what does that mean? Are you like no debt at all? Or is it like some people say, well, I'm debt free, except I have a mortgage on my home, which is sort of a standard debt. So when you say, when, give us the context of the debt free company here. Yeah, so Wally J.
2: Staples bill is, is 100% debt free. And that includes all our equipment, our trucks, uh, and our shopping office and any properties that we own. Uh, house lots and things like that. Um, And I've never had a business loan started out, uh, you know, just paying as I could go and and whatnot. But uh, we actually are completely debt free, no no payments whatsoever to anybody.
1: Okay, so how'd this happen? I mean, almost everybody (laughs) that gets into business, even very small, like when I was in business for myself, not this last time around, but the first time like I needed a truck. So I went ahead and got a loan on a truck, and away I was. I was in business. So was this a conscious decision on your part as you got into business, or did you just kind of slide into this, and you said, wow, this is really good? How did this all happen?
2: Yeah, well, a couple of things uh, led me to this. Uh, I was just a young carpenter before I actually started my company back in the early 1990s, and and you, Tim, you probably can recall there were some slow ups at that time and some downturns in construction and so forth. And, and I, I watched some really builders that I admired get in some trouble. They were building spec homes. And I saw some of them maybe, I, I can remember one builder in particular ended up living in his spec home uh, because he couldn't sell it. And then I, worse than that, I witnessed some builders that had leveraged their own homes and got themselves into debt and they actually lost their homes through that. And I, I just knew I never wanted to be in that position. So, I figured I'd just pay as I went and and be careful with it. And there's been a lot of different things that have come from that, that I feel have been helpful to me as I run my business. But another thing uh, that had a big impression on me, uh, I'm not sure you've probably heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey. Uh, A lot of people have, he's kind of the debt-free guy. But long before Dave Ramsey, uh, there was a lady named Vicki Staples, who was my mother. And (laughs) she... uh, She set a great example of uh, hard work, and she invested wisely. She stayed out of debt. Uh, I can even remember as a young guy, uh, just a little kid, uh, my parents paying off our home uh, early. Uh, and then I, another thing as I was reflecting on this, kind of where did this come from? How did I get this uh, desire to be careful with spending and so forth? And I remember my mother uh, buying a car when I was in high school, a new car, which she really did, because she'd always get a better deal on a, on a slightly used one. Uh, and she financed a portion of it, and she did it just because she wanted to know what it was like to have a payment on her vehicle. <laughs> and I—I I, I would imagine she made a couple of payments, saw the little bit of interest, and just paid the thing off. But it stuck with me, and it was kind of something that had a real big impact. And I knew I didn't want to—I uh, didn't want to put myself or my family or my employees in a place where uh, we could get ourselves in trouble uh, when the economy turns or weather issues. There's just there's so much that goes into construction that can affect your business and. Certainly right now the COVID nineteen situation has brought that, you know, front and center for a lot, a lot of businesses.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So not many of the people who listen to this podcast are going to have the privilege of kind of going back ten years and re reworking. But give us a little walkthrough of like you're a young carpenter, you've decided not to be in debt. How did you actually make that happen? I mean, I mean, was it just a matter of really Uh, taking every little bit of profit and putting it in the bank and then then waiting before you purchase things yeah so when
2: i started back in 1993 uh, i needed a truck uh, and i uh, i what i did is i I did a roof job actually uh, to save up some money and i was able to search for a truck and i found a 1980 ford f-250 for fifteen hundred dollars and It was red with a white stripe down the side of it. I'm not a red fan. All my trucks are black now, but uh, at that time, that's what I could afford. And I, uh, I, you know, so I wasn't at the new car dealer, you know, looking at things. I was looking at what I could afford. And when I got there to look at the truck, the tailgate was messed up. And I said to the guy, I said, Hey, can you fix the tailgate? You know, and I tried to negotiate him down on the price and he wouldn't budge. And he says, yeah, for $50. And I'll tell you what, it was the hardest $50 coming out of my pocket because I didn't want to pay him the extra $50, but I needed the tailgate to work and so forth. But, so i just bought what i could afford at the time and and over the years i've tried to buy things you know certainly starting out i tried to buy used equipment when i could and gradually have worked our way up where we can buy whatever we want to now uh, by saving ahead and 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 doing what we need to but uh, I think that it was just that, uh, that instinct to just be careful with it. Now, I wouldn't want to be driving a 1980 F-250 today, uh, you know, that, right. in the condition that truck was, but it got me through, uh, and, it, and it's what I could afford at the time. Didn't have it very long, and I went up to another truck and another truck and so forth. But so I, I kind of paid as I went, and you know, a few years ago, there's a small local private school my kids go to, and the administration asked if they could uh, bring some high school kids. Into my office, and if I'd talk to them a little bit about small business and entrepreneurship and things like that, so I put a little PowerPoint together, and through that I talked I hit on being debt free uh, just a little bit and I think my reasoning you know reflecting on it was probably just thinking of student loan debt didn't want these kids as they went off to college to to get themselves into a, a place they don't want to be uh, but Afterwards, we kind of walked around the shop in the office a little bit, and I and I was a there was a, a one of the kids. I think he was a junior, maybe, and he said, "Hey, hey, I, I got I got to make sure I understand something." There was a couple of trucks sitting in the shop that weren't being used. He said, "He says now, you don't buy a truck unless you can afford a truck." And he says, "So you save up the money for it?" I says, "Yeah, that's what we do." And he goes, "That is so weird." He said, <laughs> "But it's kind of cool." <laughs> so hopefully it had a little impact on him. And I am not, I'm not i not saying people shouldn't finance vehicles or shouldn't finance whatever they need to do. I'm just saying this is what I've done. And yeah. and I, what I want to get to is some of the advantages that, uh, that I feel that it brings the company, a, a construction company. That's what my experience is. And, and we can talk a little bit about that as we move along.
1: So let's, uh, let's, let's just talk about one other thing before we get to the benefits, and that is your office. Um, Now, I have visited with you. It's been a few years back. I don't think things have changed a whole lot, but you got a nice piece of property. You've got a nice building, nice equipment and so forth. Was any of that mortgaged and then you paid it off by, because that's where a lot of people's money goes is opening a showroom or renting a facility. And obviously, land prices in Brunswick may be a little bit different than they are in you know, San Francisco or some other place like that. But a lot of people's money is tied up in their building or their office. Yeah. And I and I think
2: that's a good place to invest. So full disclosure, so I, I saved up and, and we purchased the property where our shopping office is ahead of time. And then in 2007, broke ground on it, had money saved to build it. But fell right into that same track that a lot of our clients do. It's like, well, we might as well do this while we're doing it. Right. And we might as well upgrade this and do that. And <laughs> so spent, spent more on the building uh, than I originally set out to do uh, and ended up, uh, I felt like the best thing to do at the time was to take a partial mortgage against it, And so we did that, uh, had a lot of equity in the building. And so I was able to get really favorable terms. And I think that's a, uh, that's a help. Uh, and it, to the point, even uh, the rates back in 07, 08, or whatever it was, were higher than they have been in the last decade or so. And I could just—I emailed the commercial loan officer a couple of times and just said, "Hey, I want a rate reduction." And then, by the way, I don't want to pay anything for it. And that's not typical, but they would do it. And it was because yeah. I was just in a good position to do it. So I did have a partial mortgage on the shopping office for a while, but paid it off pretty quickly just by being disciplined. And and there's a bunch of ways of doing that. I look at it like this: anything on wheels depreciates typically anything that's on a foundation appreciates typically so if someone is gonna have a mortgage or have a, a, a loan of some sort I think I would put it towards your, your shop and your office and in properties that could become income earners versus a uh, you know pickup truck or other types of equipment
1: so just a little follow-up on that in and that is did you did you say okay and I'm just making up numbers here for everybody you say okay I've got this partial mortgage um, it cost me $1,000 a month to repay it over, let's say, 10 years. Did you actually work your company budget in a way where you could pay it off earlier? In other words, we're going to add a half a percent to our markup so that we can, this just seemed like common sense to me, but uh, I'm just wondering if you did anything special like that. No, I think what the the
2: biggest thing we did is we, I set a uh, an amount of additional principal that I wanted to put towards the building each month, uh, and just work towards that. Now that factored in into what we needed to have for a markup uh, because right. it was an expense. And I think just being disciplined and and I I feel the best way for folks to do this, set it up so it's a, a, a ETF. You know, just electronically, it's happening every month, so you don't have to physically write the check. It just it just gets done. Uh, and you'd be surprised by putting that additional principal down on a monthly basis, how quickly you can start to knock something out, even a, even a bigger uh, nut. If you just pay the, the minimum, it's going to take the term that it was. If it was a 20 year term, it's going to take 20 years. But if you start putting extra on the principal, you can take a 20 and turn it into a 10 uh, pretty easily. And you can take that savings and invest it into something else into your business.
1: Yeah. So I think the the big lesson for me and uh, maybe, maybe people are going to pick this up is that even when you do uh, let's say invest in something like land or like an office or something like that figure out how you're going to pay for it in less term than what the bank really would be expecting and, and, and sell your work that way because that's what's going to help you pay for that uh, in the long run
2: yeah I would agree with that I think that would be okay. the wise way to do it that's how I've tried to do it
1: Are you worried about the future of your business? Are you stuck and unsure about what step to take next? Do you have any doubts about your ability to lead through this crisis? Whether it's business, finance, or production, we have the experienced professional coaches standing by to help you and your team battle through these uncertain times. To learn more about our coaching program and to schedule a free 15-minute consultation with our head coach, Doug Howard, Visit RemodelerCoach.com today. Now back to the show. All right, so let's just talk about the things that you think. Uh, why this has been such a good thing for you to to be the, in this debt free? What what have you? What are the positives of this other than the fact that? you're debt free. That's a positive all by itself. But what other implications has it had for your business?
2: Yeah. So there's, there's a, there's a bunch and I'll, I'll kind of hit on some of them hopefully here and, and not forget. But uh, you know, there's a couple of parts when it comes to employees. Uh, you know, we, that other podcast I did with you guys, we talked about the challenges with finding carpenters and skilled carpenters and certainly in, in Maine, it's been the challenge. Yeah. And I think around the country maybe some things will change with this, but, uh, what's going on. But, uh, the first one is it's kept us in a financial position, a strong financial position. So in the opening, Steve mentioned that we've never laid anybody off and, you know, going on 27 years and, and we do live in Maine uh, and we have had ups and downs in the economy. And, you know, in fact, today we're recording this, it's May 5th and it snowed here on Saturday and we yeah. had snow on the ground. So it's, yeah. it's, it's it can be challenging, but, uh, now I will say this, uh, there's been people that have been in my company that uh, I've helped them find another career. They weren't the right <laughs> fit for us, but they, they weren't yeah. uh, laid off for lack of work. So I've worked really hard. One, you have to have the work, but if you're in a good place, you can, uh, you can weather some of that uh, a bit. And so that helps keep the people that you have. And I've got those long-term guys that are working for me, but also puts you in a in a place to hire people when others may be laying them off and and I'll hit on that a little bit later on on what's going on right now, but uh you go back to the the great recession you know ten twelve years ago, and two of the lead carpenters that are working with us today that I was able to hire during that time and uh it was there was a a good local contractor that laid one of them off that I can remember in particularly just ran low on work and maybe it was just a little fearful and i I think he just wanted to you know just take a step back for a bit. But this particular guy didn't want to be unemployment. He wanted to work. And I was fortunate to hire him. And here it is 12 years later, and he's still going strong. And so there's opportunities. So when you're in a a good place uh, financially, that helps you. You have to have the work, though. You can't just have people clean your shop day after day after day. You need to have things that are going to be productive and and profitable. So that's that's part of it. Uh, Right now with the COVID-19, I would say you know, in the first couple of weeks back in March, when things first started to, to show that you know the country was going to essentially go into lockdown, uh, we get a tremendous amount of calls, more calls from uh, contractors, mostly the guys like subcontract off general contractors, you know, maybe them and a couple of carpenters work for them, looking for work, and I think they thought they had a lot more work uh, than they did, uh, but. It's, uh, you know, we were able to hire, we have hired and, and put on uh, some more carpenters during this time that probably wouldn't have been able to hire at other times. And, you know, maybe a month before that, they wouldn't even returned our call, but they're, they were looking for work. I think what happened was general contractors, including ourselves, uh, we're going to take care of our own first, right? It's kind of like putting the, the yeah. auction mask on before we can help others. So I'm going to take care of my employees and the long-term subcontractors that have worked with us first. And then if we have additional work, we can talk to others. But uh, right. so just being in a good, good spot you, you, with the work, plus also being feeling in control financially, I think has been a real, real blessing to us. And, and uh, also for, their employee, for our employees, they feel good about things.
1: Yep. So you, you kind of mentioned in some of our conversations ahead of time, like being able to buy equipment uh, as it came available because you had the cash in the bank. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so th- th- for me, you know, for us, we're we're always trying to
2: find ways of doing things uh, the smarter way, work smarter, not harder, and and, and safer. That's a big one. So uh, <laughs> an example would be this past, uh, in the last year, December, we, we talked, there's a company, you know, the lead carpenters, you know, boy, we'd love to have our own uh, own lift, our own boom lift on the site that, uh, you know, so we don't have to rent one or we would have it available. So we tend to use it more and, and whatnot. So, Started searching for one and, uh, and found, you know, what we felt was a good fit for us uh, and found a late model, really clean, low hours um, machine that we bought for a fraction of what you'd have to pay for a new one. And, and typically you'd finance that new machine. And usually what you're negotiating on, a, on that is just, you know, what's the payment going to be? We was able to negotiate what's the cost of the machine going to be and maybe some upgrades we wanted to do with it. And no question, looking back at the the recession, uh, you know, a decade or so ago, uh, we bought a we bought a lull for half the price, uh, you know, you know on site forklift for half the price of what it was worth. But NAS Rentals at the time was trying to liquidate a lot of a lot of equipment, and I think they were just selling equipment for what they had in it at the time. So really, some great values out there. But uh, you don't you don't necessarily come up with that money on the spot. You need to be doing this while things are good. You put a little bit away and you plan and you, you save for these things. It's not a instant thing. Uh, so we was in a position to to really uh, buy some, have been able to buy some equipment, some great bargains. Uh, and then if you take care of it, uh, you know, that same law, we've got it t- 10 years later, we put money into it, but it's still going strong. And so uh, just been some good investments and some good opportunities because we was in the position to be able to purchase.
0: Wally, you just mentioned that, uh, you know, saving money over time and, you know, you have to make money to keep it. So we look at strong net profit being the most important thing in a business and a lot of that can be just knowing uh, what to mark up. So what is, do you have a certain process or program you use? Other people have done something called the profit first system, you know, they take a portion of the deposit and hold that. Do you have a kind of a, just a system that you use for consistent net profit and having this money to set aside?
2: Yeah. Well, so. I society says in general. I'm teaching my kids this. I have two daughters, they're 10 and 14, and I'm trying to teach them how to how to earn, save, spend, and give. And uh you know, society says save 10%, you know, invest 10%. You know, in general, I say let's do 20. So I, I try to slide away 20% of profits and put it away for you know for opportunities and 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 taxes and all the other things that come in sometimes. But uh, so that's my philosophy. Everybody has to pick what number they think uh, they can do. Uh, you hit on something. You have to make money uh, before you can save money, and so it's very important that you price your jobs correctly, but then produce them within the budget that you've estimated. And uh, so that's a that's a, a challenge in construction is getting it right. There's so many moving pieces to it, but uh you, you know, I'll hit on that a little bit in, in a little bit. I think I had a, a note here about. Uh, not not giving in to wanting to reduce that margin, you know, at different times, thinking that, hey, this number's too big, I need to reduce it somehow. But um you know, yeah, being disciplined. Ahead. Hey Wally,
1: Wally, go ahead yeah. and talk about it. How did you get past that? Because yeah, so uh, yeah. there are people who run up against some of these recessions and things like that, and they just start feeding themselves the trash. Yeah. And and yeah. they and they start cutting prices, and then my feeling is that as soon as you do that, then you start subtly communicating to your clients that you're uncomfortable with the pricing. And then they start taking advantage of that very subtle. None of us walk in and go like, oh, I'm I'm so uncomfortable, I'm gonna cut my price by 20%. But we have okay. that, we have that horror, if you will, and the client picks up on it and says, gosh, that's awful high. And then we go, Yeah, it is. And and then we start killing ourselves. So how do you how did you get past that? Well, it's,
2: there's a couple of things. One, and I and I have an estimator who works for me, Paul, and and I talked to him about this often. I said nobody should be more sure of the numbers than we are. When we go to meet with someone, we should be so sure of our numbers that it doesn't matter if they didn't want to move forward with it. We should be okay with it. Now, hopefully, we have set the table and set target budgets and we stayed within that, so there shouldn't be that that fear. But I'll tell you one of the things you know being being a debt free company and being someone who 's been careful it, it gives you the confidence that it 's okay uh, if they don 't move forward with this now it 's a bummer if that happens because you put a lot of time into it and if, if anybody if people that are listening know this there 's a lot of work there's no such thing as a free estimate it costs somebody it costs the contractor right yeah, so you may not charge the client uh, right. and, and the secret to it is really who pays for that is the clients that actually hire you, but you don 't want to tell them that because you know that 's where you make your profit and uh, right. But it does cost somebody. It costs a lot of time. And so you wouldn't want it to fail. But knowing your numbers, but I'll, I'll be honest, I, even today, you know, you put together the numbers and, and maybe some things will change through the COVID-19 situation, but the numbers are huge on these, you know, from the subcontractors. You look at plumbing, electrical, and, and oh, yeah. excavation costs have gone up so much. You look at it, it's like, how in the world could that number be that big? I should cut this margin, you know, and you have to be disciplined and say, no, I have that much exposure, that much more exposure because the number is bigger. And, and I want to make sure I can fulfill this job and and take care of the client the way that they want to be taken care of. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we're fortunate we use the design build process. So we have commitments before we ever get to this point. Right. Uh, So we have a little more, you know, feeling of surety, but I honestly have not had somebody try to negotiate with me in years. I think it was probably when I was young and starting out, somebody would say, Hey, you know what? If you told them, I'll just use a, a small number. If you told them a thousand dollars and say, well, if you did it for seven I'd do it right? because they saw you was probably weak and you might do that. I just have not had anything like that. I think people, I think people respect us and trust us that, Hey, if this is what we say, it's, it's going to be. And what we try to do, and we, we mentioned this to our homeowners, Our goal is to get to the very tightest net number we can for our clients. We work for the client, not for the sub trades or the material suppliers. Now they're, they're very valuable people to us, but how do we do that? Good design, a good clear scope of works. if it's a renovation job, going to the site, looking at things, uh, and really getting them on value engineering, right? Maybe have a lead carpenter look over a set of plans and they might say, Hey, you know what this roof line you've designed is, it looks pretty, but it's going to be a nightmare and it's going to make a lot of extra waste and a lot of extra man hours. So, if we do that, we've really worked hard for our client. So then we'll put that markup that we need to. And you just have to be disciplined and sure your numbers. And then you should be confident. Like you mentioned, Tim, if you walk into the, or you go and you sit down with folks and you start to waver a little bit, people are going to not feel great and say maybe this guy doesn't really know his numbers. You want to know that project so well that you can assure them that they're getting a great value, not the lowest cost, but a great value. Yeah. Uh, and I think people respond to that typically. So. Uh, it doesn't mean that I still don't look at some of those numbers and say, how could it cost this much? My net number is more than I used to be able to build this thing for, but it's right. the reality of inflation over time. Things become more expensive.
1: Well, it's good to hear that uh, that you see it, you know, the same way a lot of us do. I mean, I, 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 I ran up against this when I was a production manager, and I'd do a change order for somebody, and I'd go like, man, that's just too much money. And yeah. uh, mm-hmm. through – through going to trade shows and talking to people and my bosses and stuff like that, I started realizing that, you know, it costs a lot of money to do this if we're gonna enjoy the benefits that come from it. So so do you sleep well at night, Wally? I do. One
2: thing I wanted to mention quickly, <laughs> I hit on profit sharing uh, when we <laughs> talked last time. And yeah, uh, being debt free helps with that because, uh, you know, if you're not making payments to something that's going into your profit and it's in the bottom line. We was able to do 10 percent profit sharing in 2019, along with the 4 percent match. So our employees got 14 percent of their income went into the retirement plan. Uh, so it was a, it was a really good year. And, and we want to continue that, of course. But that that helps with it. But
1: did yeah, they, I, I did well. they like? Yeah. Did they like that, Wally?
2: <laughs> they did. You know, you know, carpenters and <laughs> in, in general, and I have other people in carpenters work for me, but they are hard to understand sometimes what they're thinking. But I, I will say this: um, you know, <laughs> it, 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 they they, I, they do appreciate it, and we. I try to make a big deal out of it. We've been social and physically distant lot that meeting, so I, typically I would have had a uh, like a profit share, you know, party by now. But right. uh, we'll do that when when things settle down a little bit. But uh, you know, I shared with everybody, uh, and and everybody knows that Wally is fairly conservative with spending and so forth. Because we, I preach it all the time. Let's be careful. Let's not buy things that we don't need. Let's if we if you need that tool, let's buy it. But if I just see it sitting in the shop with dust on it, that means we didn't need it, you know. Right, right. Uh, that type of thing. But I was I've always been pretty close to the vest on on uh, you know finances and things. Probably another trait from my mother. But I shared at our company meeting in January that we are a debt free company and. I did that because there was a company that we was working with that went out of business kind of unexpectedly and they looked great from the outside, but apparently they had some issues on the inside. Uh, and ironically, a few days later, it was, uh, you know, maybe a rainy afternoon and I had that honey to-do list that I wasn't getting to. So I had a couple of guys go over to my house and hang some curtains or something. And I get home that night and my wife says, Hey, the guys was here. And you know, they was telling me, they was bragging up or, You know, our company's debt free. So there was like, you know, they they felt like they was part of it. And I think that was an important step, you know, to sharing that with them. And they felt proud of that. It makes them have some security. So not only do I sleep well at night, I think that it probably helps the employees sleep well, you know, knowing that we're in a good place and, uh, you know, that we can grow and we can buy good equipment and, and we can take the best jobs and be selective and not end up with a job or a homeowner that maybe isn't the right fit for us. Uh, so, you know, try to be careful that it's nice to feel in control. And now there's a lot of things in construction that there's plenty to worry about. No one, yeah. and there's no, no shortage of problems and things that can come up, but yeah. if you can take the stress of, of finances out, I think that's certainly a, a help.
1: Yeah. I, I was going to ask, like, do your employees say crazy things like, well, we sure need a new this, but you know, will that put us in debt? but it just sounds like maybe they, uh, they start just starting to realize the position they're in.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I think I've got a bunch of long-term people. We have kind of a rule, anything over a couple hundred dollars, I'd like to know about it. Right. So if we're going right. to buy something, it's more than that. And we, it's for me again, Tim, you came to my shop, it's been a decade or so ago, but, uh, I remember you saying, "Boy, I've never seen so many tools." Well, it's it's probably twice that now, and <laughs> it, it, I have no fear of buying good equipment and supplying it. I just like it to be used. But you know, some things are specialties; you don't need to use them all the time. But right. Uh, so I think I think that I think people appreciate that. I'm big on safety. If there's anything we can do to make things safer, like investing in a lift, if you can put someone in a, in a basket yeah. and tie them off, it's better than being on stage and right. And it's going to make it safer and easier. And so. I think that the employees appreciate that and understand that. Um, and I, and I think they value that. I don't think they want to waste and, and buy things that we don't need. So, right. um, but carpenters are like kids with toys, right? You know, that shiny, <laughs> that shiny saw looks really nice, you know? So I'd like yeah. to have one of those new ones, even though my other one's only a year or two old, you know? So sometimes you have to kind of walk them back a little bit. Yeah. we we'll get through it.
1: All right. So Wally, as we wrap this up, um, just, Like, let's just pretend I'm a contractor listening to the Tim Fowler show, and I go like, oh my goodness, I would kill to live in that environment, other than going to work for Wally. Uh, How would I go, what do you think would be a good first, second move to actually progressing towards a debt-free company?
2: You know, one of the things I wanted to make sure I said, because there's people that are I'm no smarter or better than anyone out there. I'm just sharing my own experiences. So there's people probably have things figured out and do things differently than I have. I'm just sharing that this has worked for me and it's been some advantages to me. And I think right now in this current uh, situation, it makes me feel like at least for myself and my company, I've made some wise decisions. Uh, I'm definitely more of a tortoise than a rabbit, so I've been able to grow organically and pay as I go. Uh, there's probably companies that have grown much larger than mine that maybe they did need, need to, you know, borrow money at different points. So I, I wouldn't, I don't want anybody to feel like oh Wally thinks he knows everything because that's not the case at all. But my advice for becoming debt free, you know, there's several things. You know, start the number one thing is you got to start with pricing your jobs and completing them, you know, on budget, right? If you don't price them correctly. Um, and you don't complete them within that budget and which is uh, the production part of this conversation would be what's what's the hardest thing if you have in-house employees carpenters uh is man hours right uh your yeah. subcontractor, your electrician gives you a fixed price it's up to him to get it done you pay them what it is uh, but with man hours it's challenges so we we share those with our carpenters and the lead carpenters they know that type of thing but uh, we try to be really accurate with our estimating and then, and then be fair, right? You can't, uh, you know, cut your guys tight and then tell them they need to make it work. Uh, so we work together as a team on that, but you got to price it right. You got to work within it. Uh, so you make a profit then you need to put a little aside. Like I said, you know, we, we save, you know, as we make the profit, you put some aside and, uh, that gives you the opportunity to purchase things, but also, um, you know, whether the, the bad times or the, or the, the bad weather uh, that we deal with quite a bit, <laughs> you can buy buy equipment as you need it, you know, try to, try to keep a, you know, away from the financing. But uh, if people need to finance and, and we, we have lived in a really strange time, the interest rates on mortgages are so low for so long. And now, you know, vehicles, you can get no interest on them. So, you know, people need to decide what they want, but remember, it's a depreciating, you know, you know, pro, uh, you know, piece of equipment. Yeah. Uh, but if, if you can, if you can just kind of do those things, and if you do have debt, I just say, just keep knocking it out. Just knock it out a little bit at a time and just be disciplined with it and live within your means. Uh, this, this is such a rewarding, can be such a rewarding business to be in. Uh, but we deal with big dollars and, and they can yeah. get away from us if we're not careful. And uh, and so we just need to, you know, be careful with it. And so I think that's, I think that's where it is. You know, the, the last thing I would say on it uh, would be, uh, you know, we're living in some, you know, really, I, I've never I thought we would be living in a, in a lockdown so to speak in our country like we have been and, and boy in construction we should all feel really really blessed because we've been considered essential and we've been able to work through this when some of our you know other businesses haven't been able to and people have, have gone through some things but uh i can tell you the most incredible thing about being a debt-free company has been that i've been in a position to help other people uh, right. people that work for me sub trades uh people i don't even know uh, and it's not because I'm great or special. It's just that I'm able to do that right now. Uh, and it's no question in my mind is the most gratifying and satisfying thing about it is I can do that and I can help yeah. people. And, and we're all in this together. We have that a lot, but there's some truth to that. Yeah. Uh, and the government can't do everything. We can do things. And, and so I've been trying to do that. So that's, that's probably the thing that it's kind of uh, cemented that I feel like I've gone down the right path, the path at least for myself. But I, everybody has to make their own decision, and, and I would certainly not challenge anybody if they've done it differently. I'd, I'd respect however they've done it, and it's worked for me.
1: Well, Ollie, I, I just want to say thank you again for some great insight. I think uh, it's uh, some amazing things that you've done. I know you're uh, being humble about it, but uh, I think you've done a great job of managing – what you wanted to do. And I appreciate the fact that it may not be for everybody, but you've done a good job managing the way you want your company to manage to run. And and that's, has given you great benefits. So we're going to wrap it up here and just say, thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Wally. All right. Well, th-
2: yeah, thanks for having me on. Stay strong.
0: Okay,
2: take All care. Right. Thanks. Take care. Catch you later. Bye.
0: Tim, I am so glad we did this episode. Um, uh, I've mentioned it a million times, but my dad, uh, financial planner. So I grew up with a lot of, um, you know, kind of life lessons of always have a car payment, but don't, you know, save for a car and paying cash, just things like that to try to avoid debt. But I think really the lesson with Wally today is, um, you know, knowing your numbers is one thing, knowing what you're worth, but, the importance of being debt-free has so many tentacles in the company and what you're able to do. And especially now, you know, it seems uh, a little unfair right now because people are pinched across the country. There's different parts of the country that are affected in different ways. But, you know, in long term, you can always start making changes to be debt-free, to avoid debt you know, whatever it is, get out of debt, but starting now. And Wally's just an incredible guy, incredible company, and I enjoy having him on every time.
1: Yeah. So I just wanted to comment. I loved his kind of wrap up with, you know, just pay off things and set money aside because uh, back before the 2008 recession, I had like lots of little debts all over the place. And you know, had a rough time. That, that whole time was pretty rough for me. And, um, and so, I was able through some hard work and kind of some discipline to pay off a number of debts. Now, I still have a mortgage to pay for. But in general, that's my only debt. And it's very nice to have that little bit of extra money that comes, you know because you're not paying somebody else for something. So I'd encourage people to really think about it, make some steps to at least reduce debt. Yeah. To something like maybe one payment that, you know, you, you're investing in something versus paying. I loved his idea of uh, anything that has wheels on it, you know, anything that moves depreciates. So maybe yeah. that's not an investment. Anything with a foundation might be an investment, so. <laughs>
0: And he's he's also gotten a lot of buy-in from his employees. You know the story about him, uh, the employees kind of bragging and just being proud of the fact that they don't yeah. have debt. It, mm-hmm. It's that's got to influence them personally and uh, gives them a lot of confidence with their job and who they work for.
1: Yeah, and just imagine. I want everybody out there to imagine that your bonus for a year is equal to 14% of your annual income. I would take it in a heartbeat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, once again, we would like to thank Wally Staples for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show.
1: And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary.
0: This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.